so we can read the <coughs> the word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So we can open our Bibles if you have. Uh, and it's in the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. <laughs> Ephesians 1 verses 15 to 23. Ephesians 1 15 to 23. Okay. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the, full, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Blessed be the word of God. You may be seated, and uh, uh, classrooms, together with their Sunday school teachers, thank you very much. If you have a cell phone, please make sure that they are turned off or on silent mode. This is the time that you do that. Or you can do it later when it rings. <laughs> it reminds you that you forgot to do it. That's fine. Um, we are still in our series, the book of Ephesians, as we read. And before I forget again, which I did last week, please join me in another word of prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for this evening that you have given to us. Another evening to hear your word and to be with your people. And hopefully, Lord God, we learn from you. We learn your will and your ways for us. Father, we ask for your help constantly. Let your Holy Spirit guide and teach all of us, Lord God, your truth. And Father, please, Lord, open the eyes of our hearts and our minds and let it be filled with knowledge and wisdom from you so that we will never forget. Father, let it be ingrained in our entire being. We ask for salvation for those who are lost, Father God. I pray that this will be the evening that they will surrender to you as their Lord and Savior. I pray for those who are sick physically, Lord. We pray for their healing. And we also pray for those who are sick spiritually. I pray, Father God, for a rescue for them. Father, He meet us where we are and help us, Lord God, to get to where we need to be. Anoint my lips, Lord God, and please bless my preparations and 
Lord, always supersede it as you see fit. Let you and you alone speak to your people. Humble us, Father, as we ask for forgiveness for our sins. Grant us wisdom. Speak to us, Father. In your Son, Jesus Christ's name, we ask and pray. Amen. 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 So I entitled our message tonight. If you um, can go to the next slide, I think. There you go. Prayer for the Faithful Part 1. Um, I'm trying to time myself. I'm trying to be okay with the, with the time and not do, to be pre, too presumptuous that you're okay to sit here for two hours. So we're going to do Part 1 tonight. And um, we just read Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church. And I have a few questions here, question statements to ask you and make you think about it as, as you continue to listen. What prompts you when you pray to God? What prompts you? And the, the world, the unbelieving world, the unbelievers, the, word, the people that have not surrendered their lives to Christ, most of the time, they pray to get comfort when something tragic happens, right? We hear prayer for Columbine. Remember that? Prayer for uh, wherever tragedy, uh, when, whenever tragedy and wherever tragedy hits, the headlines of the news is pray for blank. We use the world uses the word prayer as a as a adjective to say we're thinking of you or we're wishing you well. The word in the sentence praying for you is often used as if it's a magic spell. So that the the the, the unpleasant situation or uncomfortable situation will go away and things will go back to normal that's praying for you i'm saying that's for the unbelievers but for the believer you're a believer if you've surrendered your life to jesus christ correct if you have repented of your sins if you have accepted the the truth about wow i'm a sinner and I need a Savior from my sins. And Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I am accepting that sacrifice. Now I accept Him as my Lord. And consequently, He becomes your Savior. Then you are a believer. Now, believer, let me ask you, and you can answer quietly in your mind. What prompts you to pray? And then who, who do you pray for? So, you know, we have a tendency, we have a tendency to, to pray when things aren't well, right? And you know what? Rightfully so. Rightfully so. You should pray when things are not going well. When somebody's sick or when you are sick, when you are in trouble or someone important to you is in trouble, rightfully so. You should say a word of prayer. We should always be praying, Right? And then, and then we have a tendency to pray for those who are in trouble. But here, this, as you guys have read, as we have read, Paul prayed for the faithful believers. For the ones that were, are walking ever so closely with the Lord 
And what prompted Paul to pray is that he was inspired. He was inspired, he was encouraged by the news that the, these Ephesian believers have been faithful. And it prompted him to pray. You know, the, the biblical background of the prayer uh, and the, the scholars, the biblical scholars, have said that what prompted Paul to pray for the Ephesian church is their faithfulness. And it ignited Paul's love for God once again to a point that it made him want to pray for them. I have some illustrations here before we get to our verses. Is I remember an, a time when Pastor Julius was uh, packing to move. Pastor Julius, so our guest, is our founding pastor. And there was a time where he was packing to leave for the Philippines. So he was packing certain things, certain off-size things. And Tita Gina, his wife, wanted to bring her lazy boy, her lazy boy, with her to the Philippines. So a lazy boy in a Balikbayan box... Is quite a challenge. So, Pastor Julius, me, my Pastor Julius and I, and some brothers, I think, I'm looking, I was trying to think if Nori was there, but I know there was, a, there, I know there was another guy there, and we were struggling to get the, you know, the, the, the leg part of that chair. And we, you know, we grunted, we, you know, we were really trying to be careful because Tita Gina was good to remind us, don't break it, guys. <laughs> Take it off, but don't break it. You know, Tita Gina's soft and sweet voice, you know, like, don't break it. And we're like, oh gosh, we're sweating. Pastor Judas was frustrated. I was frustrated. The other brothers were frustrated. We, we took some uh, long screwdrivers trying to pry out that part so that something will be released. No avail. I think we were 10 minutes in. Pastor Julius <laughs> said, let's pray. We're like, hey, good idea. <laughs> we prayed, and I kid you not, we prayed. After he, we all said amen, we found this certain thing that we needed to press a little bit, and it just released something. I still don't know what it released. And then, boom, the leg came off. Lesson of the story, guys, don't have me help you. <laughs> Prayer works. But sometimes we pray when it's too late. Prayer, prayer. we're told as believers to pray. But what prompted us to pray at that time was we were stuck. And we're like, Lord, we need a miracle for this lazy boy. This morning, I'll give you another, another scenario of, of what prompted me to pray. This morning, as I was preparing the message, my daughter, Gianna, said, do you want me to make you some omelet? And I was busy. I didn't. I wasn't hungry. But whenever my daughter or my my son offers me something, I always say yes. You know. And when she did it, after she did it, and then she gave it to me, it prompted me to pray out loud for her, because it it made my heart full that my daughter made me breakfast. That she actually made me the first omelet before she made one for herself. It prompted me to pray. So with those, with those lines that I've given you, 
And I'm pretty sure you have your own share of stories of what prompts you to pray, whether you're in trouble or you were happy or somebody was sick. You know, we have different reasons that brings us to prayer. So tonight we're going to try to do it differently. We don't have points particularly, but we're going to go through it verse by verse. Okay, so here's the first verse that we're going to tackle. Verse 15 and verse 16. Therefore, I also, after I heard, heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, uh, of you in my prayers. I have four points actually in this verse, believe it or not. <laughs> so the first one, Paul, after talking to the Ephesians about God, how great God is in verses 1 to 14, our study last week, that they are chosen by God, that they were elected by God, that they were predestined by God, that they are adopted in the family of God, that they have unimaginable, unimaginable inheritance from God through Christ, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit, that they are redeemed from their sins, hence they will go to heaven. Now Paul wants to pray for them. After talking about God, now Paul wants to talk to God about the Ephesian church because of their faithfulness. Because of their faithfulness. The one thing that I also want us to tackle here is, is the fact that Paul prayed for the faithful ones. We have a tendency to pray, and rightfully so, to pray for the slide, the backsliding Christians, correct? And rightfully so. There is a great need that we pray for the ones that have, are, haven't been coming to church, or, or, or we know that are now living in sin and went back to their old ways. There's, that's just right that we pray for them. But we also have a tendency not to pray for the faithful ones. The ones that are there constantly, Wednesday after Wednesday, Sunday after Sunday, every day, every time you need them, they are there. We tend to not pray for them. Correct? Did we forget that the enemy does not attack the bench players? <laughs> the people that are in the game... Those are the people that the enemy wants to attack. Now to you, are you on the bench? If you're not experiencing any attacks from the enemy, you're on the bench. If you are not experiencing any attacks from the enemy, you're probably playing for the enemy's team. Pastor Jews was good to remind me when I go through attacks. He goes, that's good, Joe. That's a good sign. That means you're working for God. It doesn't really rub well, especially if you're if you're being attacked with depression or, or being tempted. You know, it, it doesn't sit well when you hear it that nonchalantly. But there is so much truth in that. You, if you haven't served God, you don't know what it means. If you haven't tried to serve God in any function, you don't know what it means. You don't know what it means to be attacked by the Lord. Everybody will tell you here that if when they finally signed up for a ministry and that day Sunday is 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 coming, 
the hour before 5.15, they're arguing with their spouse. They're arguing with their children. They're arguing with their parents. Something occurs at work that discourages them. Anna Lou and I had one of our biggest fights on the very first family day. The very first family was my great idea <laughs> to do something. Me and my ideas, you know. Family days, for those of you who know, right? But those of you who don't know, we started in, if, if, I think, 2014. And her and I had the biggest fight. This was the first few time again. This was the first few weeks that I wanted to walk ever so closely with the Lord and again serve Him in this church. True enough, true to form, the enemy was busy and Anna Lou and I had the, uh, we call it the yelling palooza. <laughs> we had our yelling palooza, one of our biggest ones, on the way to family day. But praise God, we made, made it through. So there's, there's a great need. Why, why am I sharing this? Church, there's a great need for you to pray for yourself. But more so, there's a great need for you to pray for the faithful ones. There's a great need for you to pray, period. But have them in mind. Have the, have the people in mind, the ones that are serving you. You know, you, you see them here playing. You see, you see them there serving in the back or in the front or in the kitchen. They, they go through. They, they have their own issues. But they're, they're, they're serving God in, in, in any which way they can. And the last thing, the, 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 the one thing that you can truly help them with is if you say a word of prayer for them. And then back to this verse here. There is um, the, the original language, the Greek, the Greek word for seize um, not, to stop, to not stop praying, to seize not. The, the word seize, seize, it's, the Greek word is pow. It's where we got the word pause, pow. And then the word not is o, pow o. So whose name's Paulo here? <laughs> So it, it means pause not, to cease not. But the idea here is, the original idea here is tickle in the throat. Do you guys remember when you have this irritating thing in your throat? It's constant. It doesn't go away. You keep going, <clears throat> but it's there. It's not going away. That's the idea when Paul is saying, cease not in praying. He constantly had them in mind. He was constantly praying for them. Now, are you praying that way? How's your prayer life, Christians? Believers of God, are you waiting to be prompted by another trouble before you go down to your knees and pray? Are you waiting for the faithful ones to stumble in order for them to fall into your prayer request? Oh yeah, Pastor Joe fell. Oh my gosh, let me pray for him. Is that the only time we're going to pray when somebody's down and out? Rightfully so, again, like what we said. But should we be praying for them before they fall or that they don't fall? 1 Thessalonians 5.16-18, to 18, again, Paul speaking. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. 
in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Everybody asks me, I don't know what God's will is for me. Mm. Pray. That is pray without ceasing. That's God's will for you. Rejoice always in everything. Give thanks. That's God's will for you, believer. Oh no, I meant if it's God's will for me to marry a certain boy. Did you pray about that? Are you giving thanks for that? You know, the, 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 the bad thing, the worst thing is this. The world, when the world uses prayer as a magic spell, that's one thing. We can't even fault them for that. They don't know any better. But us believers, when we treat prayer as a abdakadabra thing, sis bumba, right? That is when it's wrong. That is when it's wrong. There's a, there's a joke. There's a Filipino joke. When somebody dies, when somebody that we don't like died, and somebody will ask, I'll say it in Tagalog, I'll translate it. Nakalimutan huminga. Why did he die? He forgot to breathe. You know, folks, prayer, if, if, if breathing in the physical realm, in our physical life, is a must, or else we die. As in our spiritual life, in the spiritual realm, breathe, praying is like breathing. Praying is like breathing. Again, yeah, we've identified, right? Certain things, certain events, certain people prompts us to pray. But, but, we, we have to always know that the Bible teaches us to not stop praying, to constantly be in prayer. Before you get into an argument with your wife, pray first. Before you want to yell at your children, pray first. And then when you want to get into an argument and you still want to yell, do it. But pray first. Pray first. Because breathing, praying for the Christian is like breathing. For the person. All of you guys now, most of your breathing is hindered. It's a there's an obstruction for you to be breathing normally because of the mask that we are told to wear. Because we're not designed to have anything covering our nose. Our design, our original design, God's purpose for our life in breathing-wise is that there's no obstruction. And when there's no obstruction, there's no Challenge. Breathing comes naturally, right? Even when we're sleeping. Unless you ate at the buffet and you're so full you can barely breathe. And you're snoring. But the purpose and the design of our, of our spiritual body, there's no obstruction. We breathe freely so that we live. The purpose and the design of God for us believers is that we should be praying. That is the will of God for us. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. Pause right there. Do we give thanks in everything? Or do we just give thanks in the good things? Hey, we do just give thanks on the good things, right? And when things are not working out well, we stop coming to church. We blame God for the bad business investment that we did. Without praying to Him. 
we got in it and then we prayed and we're like, oh Lord, how come you didn't bless that business? When I gave you our first tithes from the first income, I gave it to you. But no, we didn't really want God to lead us, right? Most of the time, our Christian life is this. We don't want God to lead our life. We want God to bless the life that we have planned and that we want for our lives. That's why many people don't want God. You know, the unbelieving world, they could care less about God. They will only say prayer, and there's no argument there when things are not well. And when things are back to normal, what? who cares about God? I'm, I'm going to live. I'm going to live my life the way I want to, and no, there's no God that's going to tell me not to do certain things. The, the 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 thought about praying constantly. It could be a very challenging thought for most of you. For those of you who have not even said the word of prayer for not even five minutes. Now you're going to be thinking there, you're sitting there, what does it mean to pray constantly? That's impossible. Like, well, am I supposed to be praying when I'm eating? I would say so. What if you choke to death? Are you going to, oh, Lord, Lord, help me. Right? Or you're choking to death when you eat a bone, a fish, fish bone. Aren't you praying? Like, Lord, please help me. Right? Every, every bite of that food that God has given you should be saying, Lord, praise God. Praise God I can even still taste this food. Praise God that I'm able to eat this food now. And the food is I could barely eat anything. Right? Shouldn't we always be in an attitude of, of gratitude and prayer? And, and, and when God tells us to rejoice always, did we, lost, did we lose this during this whole quarantine time? Did things change in, in our faith because the government changed our way of living? For some believers, yes. You know, I'm going to have to say this, and I'm saying it with love. If you, if you really, if your discernment for your life is that you want to stop coming to church physically because you want to avoid getting, getting the coronavirus, that's fine. That's good for you. I'm praying for your protection. But if you, that same person, have gone to work, have gone to work since March. But you have missed church for seven months. But you've gone to work all the time. I have to question the real protecting myself. I, I really have to bring that to question. Because one thing is this. One big difference is this. You stop coming to church, you don't get fired. You don't lose benefits. Right? There's no fringe benefits here. You stop coming to church. You stop coming to work. You lose your job. You lose your insurance. You go hungry. So you take the risk. You, you take that risk to go to work. And then you ask for God's protection. Well, God understands that I need this job. God gave me this job. That's true. That's all true. But how come when it comes to now take the risk for him, we kind of grade it differently? Don't we always put God on a double standard? Right? With God, oh, God understands. God understands what? God understands I'm not going to go to church this Sunday because there's a football game. <laughs> right? 
my relatives are in town and they'd rather be not be at church and I want to spend time with them. But how are you witnessing to them if you will miss church for them? You know, we all have unbelieving friends and family, correct? But to, to, to my frustration as your pastor, many times I hear you folks take advice from them about God. Did you know that you, that, that our, our grade school, our Sunday school children have more knowledge about God than the most profound unbeliever? Because the knowledge of God is given by the Holy Spirit. The carnal man will not understand it because it's spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 3, 2, 14. But when, when somebody that we respect who is an unbeliever says something about our faith that kind of contradicts our faith, but then we're so scared of them because they, we think they're smarter, we cower. We cower. There's, there's, no more, there's no more boldness in the Holy Spirit there because, uh, no, he's smarter or she's smarter. He knows what he's doing. He, she knows what. They're good people. You cowering to them, you not stepping up for the Lord, you not witnessing reflects this. You lack prayer. You lack prayer. Because if you're prayerful and you're asking God, Lord, give me the wisdom to know what to say and what not to say. Because prayer, when we pray, we lift it up to God and we say, Lord, I cannot do it. Right? That's, that's, when we, that's what the whole essence of prayer. Lord, I can no longer do this. But you can. That's prayer. So after we say that prayer, how come when we, after that prayer, how come we don't believe that God will do it? He will not give, He will not answer the prayer of the double-minded. If you doubt Him, He will not respond to you. He will let you go down with your doubt. Because God is pleased with our faith. If you are faithful, He's pleased. Ephesians 15 and 16. Therefore I also, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. The third point, the third point, I know I already said it. The third point is that we always say a word of prayer for those who are sliding, but we should be praying for the people who are faithful. There's an illustration here where you know, back in, in the ancient times, ancient China, ancient China, and I think we need to copy them. Ancient China paid their doctors an annual stipend. They paid them very well. The Chinese people, the ancient Chinese people paid the doctors very well to always check on them every day. To always check on them and to maintain them healthy. To keep them from getting sick. They don't wait to see the doctor when they're sick. Because prevention is better than the cure. That is what prayer is to the faithful. When you're praying for the faithful ones. The ones that you see are constantly serving God. And you're praying for them. You're lifting them up. Is you're preventing 
the sickness to hit them. Prevention is better than the cure. That is praying for the faithful. Have you guys heard of the... Well, no, we most of us, we haven't heard that line, Puff Graham. Remember that? Puff Graham? Pastor Julius, probably, uh, Pastor Julius and Pastor Charles probably remembered it. This was the two words that William Randolph Hearst, he owned many media outlets during the time, and he sent these two words to all his editors. He said, Puff Graham, speaking about Billy Graham, because Hearst heard Billy Graham, one of his, his, uh, his uh, teachings in uh, evangelism meetings in L.A. And Hearst's Hearst heart was impressed. He was impressed. And he instructed all his editors, Puff Graham. Let me read this article here that I, I, I pulled up. In 1949, William Randolph Hearst, the aging media mogul, sent two word, a two-word decree to his national network of editors. Puff Graham was a journalistic signal instructing his people to write praiseworthy stories about the Johnny-come-lately evangelist Billy Graham. Graham's Los Angeles crusade was extended uh, all the way to November 20, 1949, and it gained much attention due to the conversion testimonies of several Hollywood celebrities. I didn't know this, but it's written here that Billy Graham was, was trying to be, he was offered a very lucrative Hollywood career. He was supposed to be the Moses of that movie, Ten Commandments. But he turned it down because my, he said, my calling is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then this is, this is, this, this is Billy Graham in his, in, his, in his latter years where he said, Courage is contagious when a brave man takes a stand. The spine of others are often stiffened or stiffened. What does this have to do with the prayer for the faithful? Everything. Because this is in, in the world point of view. When you encourage somebody and you continue to encourage them, the tendency of that person will continue to work hard and do the right thing because you are encouraging them. You're giving them encouraging words, positive affirmation. In the spiritual realm, prayer, that is prayer. We must continue to pray for each other and we must pray for the faithful ones, the public, the public ones, the ones that are in the public eye. We need to be praying for them. So when you tell me you have nothing to pray about, or you have nobody to pray about, you're, you're not opening your eyes. There's a lot of faithful folks there that needs your prayer. Continue to pray for the faithful ones. Verse 17 reads, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge. I think um, I misplaced that one. Because I have a fourth point. Uh, let's just go back here. So one more point in verse 15 is the love. The love part. In 1 John 4, chapter 4, verse 20 to 21, it reads, If we say we love God, but hate any of our brothers or sisters in His family, we are liars. 
if we don't love someone we have seen, how can we love God? We have never seen Him. God gave us this command. If we love God, we must also love each other as brothers and sisters. Paul was talking about the Ephesian church and their love for God that transposed and transferred to for their love for each other. Now, if you want to really see the truth about if a person is really a believer, the one thing, the one acid test is this. If they love other Christians. If they have love for other Christians. Because that's the qualifier, right? If you go to 1 John 4, 20-21, that's in there. So if you, if you hear of a person that, that loves God so, they, they say they love God, but they hate Christians. Right there, you have to question them. You have to question them. Or if it's you, I love God, but I hate His creation, His creatures. There, 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 there's something wrong there. There must be, there, the love of God in us must give birth to love for our fellow believers. And what I find out, what I'm always finding out is this. We have more grace to the outsiders than to the insiders. We give them grace, like miles of grace, because they don't know God, and rightfully so. We should give them grace because they don't know God. But we give this much to other Christians. This much. Well, he should know better because he knows God. But prayer, prayer meeting pa? Di naman pala. Go on a prayer meeting, but she's a hypocrite. or He's a hypocrite. Christian, Christian. Is that what a Christian is? I love Jesus. I love Jesus. Right? We, 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 we tend to give so little room for mistakes for other believers while God tells us we need to love our fellow brothers and sisters. Now, as a pastor, there are many times I'm finding out for the past five years and the additional gray hairs and pimples on my face that this is easier said than done. Okay? I am with you. Loving God and then loving others is easier said than done, especially when the other person makes it very challenging. And as a pastor, I have to apply discipline, whether I like it or not. And folks, I tell you with all honesty, as God as my witness, I'd rather not be the bad guy in your life. I'd rather have someone else to be the bad guy in your life. But I serve God first before I serve you. So if you deserve discipline, discipline must be applied. I remember Alonzo when, when he was younger, he didn't like to brush his teeth. He didn't. He hated it. He loves to play with his Spider-Man. He has to be a marvel toothbrush but it doesn't like to brush it so I, I saw this YouTube video where you wrap your baby your toddler in a, on a towel right you put them on a towel and then they can't move but then the one thing so I did that to Zoe and he can't he can't move but then he won't open his mouth he would not open his mouth so this is not by YouTube instructions but this is from my experience the belt always works <laughs> <laughs> 
So I take my belt out and I threaten him. I go, you want Palo? And I put it around my neck. And then, and then he goes, E. Then he goes, E. When he sees the belt on my, around my neck, he goes, E. And that's when I get to do the work. All right, there you go. There you go. But then one time we were eating. We were eating. And then Gianna now, with the laws are there, Gianna won't eat her vegetables. So I took my belt out, put it around my neck. And I was still talking to Gianna. And I can see Zoe on the other end. <laughs> He thought it was time for brush, for toothbrush for him. But I do it because I love Zoe. And he needed to brush his teeth or else the dental bills will be expensive. I do it and I tell Gianna to eat her vegetables because if she just keeps eating meat, she's not going to be healthy. So discipline must be applied. So loving others doesn't always necessarily mean that we spoil them, correct? For parents, that's hard. Because we love our children. We have a tendency to spoil them. But the biblical love is that discipline must be applied. Amen? Amen. But at the end, for the point of Paul, is that our love, their love for God transferred to each other. All right, moving on. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, it reads, now they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. This is to, to support this verse. That the, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, is that every spiritual matter is spiritually discerned, and the natural man will not be able to understand it. Will not be able to understand it. So our knowledge of God, the things that we learn from Him, it's given by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that affirms, again, the election. That affirms, again, the doctrine of election. Because if the Spirit does not enable the person, that person will not understand the message of grace, the message of the gospel. Because if everything is spiritually discerned and everything and spiritual discernment is given by the Holy Spirit, it's given by the Holy Spirit, then we have, then it was God who chose us to reveal His truth to us. Amen? And then here, they, the, that's why I put Acts 4.13 is Peter and John, the, first, the early disciples, did not have formal education, did not have formal training. They were with Jesus. Jesus was with them and Jesus taught them. So you, we don't tell people to stop drinking. Christians, when you have a relative or a friend who is an alcoholic or a gambler or is womanizing, we don't tell them to stop that. Although that's what we really want, that's really the heart of what we want to say because that's their problem and they're hurting themselves. We really want to tell them that, but we don't tell them that. We tell them of Jesus. We tell them about Jesus. We share Jesus to them because exterior, exterior change is temporary. 
if they if, if somebody's trying to leave his wife, if the wife is trying to leave her husband because of the husband's attitude, because because of, of, of his lifestyle, that person will, will temporarily change because he doesn't he doesn't want to lose his wife. But the, the second or the minute that he knows that the wife will not leave him, he will go back to his ways. But the person who have accepted Christ, it's a change from the inside out. Correct? And when the person, when that person, the believer, is going back to his old ways or her old ways, the Holy Spirit is the one that will be convicting that person. And the Holy Spirit can convict a person better than we can. Amen? Do you remember our church motto? To know Christ, just in case you forgot. To know Christ, to become like Him, to make Him known. Do you see the steps here? To know Christ. We don't say so that we can become like Christ because we know Christ. No. We say we know we have to know Christ. Everything about His teachings, everything about His personhood, everything about His deity, everything about His teachings. The more we know Christ, the more we know Christ, and the more that, that the Holy Spirit is alive in us, the more, the more of that, the more of those knowledge, and the more things that the Holy Spirit reveals to us, we can't help it but become like Him. For those of you who find yourself dragging your feet coming to church, it's because you don't really know Christ. You don't know the Jesus of the Bible. You don't know what He has done for you. You don't know the magnitude of it. You know He died on the cross, but you don't know the magnitude of it. You haven't really lived it in your heart. You haven't really cried it. You haven't really blamed yourself that it was really your sins. That's why He suffered in that manner. But once you have really realized that, and once it becomes real in your hearts, all the more you're going to be excited to come to church. All the more you're going to be excited to go down on your knees and pray to Him, and you're going to talk to Him, and you're going to read His Word. You're going to read His Word. We don't tell them to stop their habits. We tell them about Jesus. Amen? We tell them about Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it reads, Imitate me just as I also imitate, imitate Christ. And in 1 Peter 1.16, Jesus, Peter wrote here, uh, Jesus said, or God said in Leviticus, Be holy, for I am holy. Again, if you don't know Christ, there's no becoming Him. There's no becoming like Jesus. If you want to live like Christ, because He's a great example for you, you just have a religion. You don't have a relationship. You don't know Him. When you know Christ, it's, it, it just comes out of you. Wanting to become like Him, the desire to pray to Him, the desire to read His Word. The reading His Word, if, if prayer is like breathing, the, pre the reading of His Word, getting to know Christ. Because how do we know Christ? We read His Word. That's God's Holy Word. I don't know how many Bibles you have at home, but it will not read itself. I wish it did, but it will not read itself. You have to pick it up and read it for yourself. I don't care how many versions you have. Even on your Bible apps. Most of you have devices, right? 
All of us have devices. But if you don't really take the time and read it, it's not going to read itself. And if you're just listening to it and then you're cooking kare-kare at the same time, it's not, it's not going to sink in. <laughs> you're chopping this. You're like, oh yeah, let me read First Corinthians. Nothing. Your concentration is on what you're doing. You're not really spending time with God. Let me bless the air. Let me play the devotion. No. Pray. You sit down. You give Him time. If praying is like breathing, reading His Word is like bread. Because that's what Jesus said, right? When He was tempted, when He was hungry, and then the, and then the enemy said, Turn this stone into, into bread. And Jesus said, Man does not live on bread alone, but by every living Word of God. But every Word of the living God. How do you become like Jesus? If you don't know who He is. How would you know who He is if you don't read His Word? And how can you read this Word if you don't pray for that desire and that wisdom that, he, that the Holy Spirit must give you? The Holy Spirit must give you the understanding of the Word that you're reading. Do you guys know of Remember the, the road to uh, when, when Jesus resurrected and the people saw Jesus, the resurrected Christ, and then Christ played a trick on them, like trying to see if they know what happened. And they were like telling Jesus, like, what? You didn't know what happened? You didn't know what happened? That this Jesus, this prophet, they said they, were, they used the word prophet. This prophet, that's in verse 19. This prophet thought, we, we thought, he was going to be the, 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 the guy that was going to rescue us. But then the Pharisees killed him. So they didn't know. They missed it. They even missed the fact that Jesus was walking and speaking to them. And then Jesus said here, Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, they expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerned himself. What's the point of this verse? The point of this verse is it is very possible that we will miss Jesus despite the many things that we claim that we know. It is very possible that we will still miss Jesus and God speaking to us Despite the things that we claim we know. It's very possible, folks, that you are sitting in your chair right now and you think you know Christ, but you really don't. It's still very possible. If you want to know God, you need to know Christ. If you want to know God, you need to know Christ. Look what Christ did. After he revealed himself to them, that's when he started talking to them about Moses and everything else. Now, everything about the Old Testament will make, all, everything about the Bible will make sense to you after you know who Christ is. Because Christ is the one that is being revealed in the Bible. Both Old Testament and the New Testament, it, you can sum it up in two words, Jesus Christ. The Old Testament pointed to Christ. And in the New Testament, it's pointing to Christ's coming back. 
we need to know that, it, that, that playing around with our faith, if you're just a nominal Christian up to now, if this COVID-19 and this quarantine time has not rattled you to take Christ seriously, I don't know what will. There's a great need for you to be prayerful. There's a great need for you to read your word and to take Christ seriously. Let me close with this. Philippians 3.10 That I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Paul knew that when Christ chose him, when God chose him to be the messenger of the gospel to the Gentiles, he knew right away that he was going to go through the sufferings. Did Paul laugh at the sufferings? No. Paul felt every pain. He felt every whip. He felt everything. It wasn't an easy life for him. But what truly mattered for Paul was his fellowship with Jesus Christ. What truly mattered for Paul is Jesus Christ. Now, is that true for you, believer? You know, most of us, we're praying for this COVID-19 so that it'll go back to normal, right? We just want these things to go back to normal. Partly, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that we're praying that because we don't want to depend on God so much, right? After when things are back to normal, oh, my prayer life's going to go down there again. Because everything's back to normal. I don't really need to take God seriously again because everything's back to normal. Right? I have a sneaky suspicion that most of us, when we pray, Lord, that things go back to normal, or when we're praying for God to rescue us from the pain that we're in, we're, we're, I have a sneaky suspicion that we're saying that so that we will stop worshiping Him. Because we only worship Him, we only pray to Him, we only read His Word when trouble is in our midst. You know, our prayer meeting is huge, large prayer warriors, Pastor Charles. The biggest, the largest prayer warrior attendance that I had, prayer meetings that we had here, was after the division and when there's trouble. That's when prayer warrior, I, I praise God that you guys come. But I'm wondering, do we really need trouble before we become prayerful? Do we really need trouble before we become prayerful? And do you really want to get out of your nominal Christianity? Do you really want to obey Him? Do you really want to grow in your faith like you profess? Do you really? So have you finished the Bible from cover to cover? Do you read His Word every day? Now, Paul's prayer, in conclusion, God's Word, the Bible, if you read it and you study it, you will see many people, many of God's people, were very prayerful. They were all very prayerful. And they knew the Scriptures. They ate and they breathed God's Word and prayers constantly, constantly. They prayed like it was a tickle in their throat. When we pray, we admit that we cannot and that God can. If He wills it, our prayer will be answered the way 
we asked it. But our prayers, most of the time, is answered the, on the way He wants it. Our faith must rely on who God is, not on who we are. The, the power of prayer does not belong to how powerful your prayer was, but it belongs to the person that we're praying to. So we need to see Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church, that he was inspired by their faithfulness. He was inspired by their love for God. And it brought him to pray for them. It should always remind us to always be tapping into the power that is within us, the Holy Spirit that indwells in every believer. We have an access to, to God through prayer. Why are we not doing it? Why are we not using it? This is my closing illustration, and this could be another 30 minutes. No, I'm kidding. My closing illustration is this. There was a, there was a school here in America. There was a tragedy that the, the school burned down. The school burned down, and 256 children died in that school because there was a fire, and they weren't able to get out. And there was no sprinkler system whatsoever. So in that same town, they, they rebuilt a new school and they put in a new sprinkler system, state-of-the-art sprinkler system. And all the parents in that town celebrated it. And everybody from the country visited it because they, they were trying to copy it for their schools too in their own state. Many years later, to their biggest surprise, the sprinkler system that they all clamored about was not connected to any water source. Imagine that. That's a very stupid thing. Don't you agree? All the precautions, all the safety measures are there except the thing that will stop what you're trying to prevent. Folks, the enemy is out there to get us. The enemy is always there, day in and day out, to discourage us, to, to cripple us, to make us unuseful for God's kingdom. And the one power that is right within you is the Holy Spirit. And the one thing that you need to do for you to tap into that power is to pray. But are you praying? Tonight, you will. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the truth that you have given to us in your message. We ask, Father, that the wisdom that you have imparted to us tonight, that we will be able to retain it, and that we will be able to practice it as we step out of this building. Father, I pray that as we are your representatives in this city, I pray, Father God, that we will live our lives according to your will. I pray, Father God, that we will take you seriously, our faith with you, our walk with you seriously. I pray that we will breathe prayer. We will pray as if we were breathing, constant, nonstop. And we need to or we die. Father, I, play, I pray for blessings for your people who are here. Father, I pray for those faithful ones. The Wednesday after Wednesday prayer warriors. The Sunday after Sunday church people. Please continue to give them strength against temptation. Please heal them if they are sick. Please continue to shower them with your love. And Father, I pray for those who are still needing to grow. I pray, Father God, that your message tonight will, will just ignite their love for you in order for them to live for you. 
All of this we ask in Jesus' sweet and mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's all rise for the closing in.